Uh, hi to everybody. It's April 12th, uh, Easter, and uh, I hope everybody's uh, safe in this uh, difficult time. It's a day to count your blessings and be grateful for everything that God has done for us, at least for me and I know for you, uh, the grace of God. Before we begin, I'm going to say the uh, set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others, especially let go of all my old ideas and so I can live on your truth. God, help me carry your message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I haven't been able to record the meetings. There's something about if I have the microphone on on the phone, then, you know, anyway. It, so last week, on Sunday night, we did sex inventory. And tonight, we're going to do the results of the fourth step, or the fourth step promises. And I was just going to do the, uh, uh, what we're going to do tonight, because I didn't record last week, but I'm going to do, uh, just review sex inventory. Um, I noticed that uh, uh, I wrote a thought on sex inventory, and it's the most, number one thought that people look at. Um, it's something that isn't discussed much at meetings, and uh, but the sex inventory is so important, and um, it could be relationships or intimate relationships, but it really is powerful. So I'm going to read on page 68, and then I'll do the uh, uh, four-step promises. It says, now about sex, and this is right after you say the fear prayer, and you commence to outgrow fear. And it says, many of us need an overhauling there, but above all, we try to be sensible in this question. It's so easy to get way off the track. Um, I think you can get uh, way off the track on anything, especially look at the news today. Here we find human opinions running to extreme. Notice human opinions. Um, Absurd upstreams, perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is the lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation. Then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. And um, I'm reminded that uh, uh, Roland Hazard went to Dr. Young and not to Freud, or we'd be all looking at our breastfeeding and uh, all of our troubles would be related to our sex uh, situation. But uh, he went to Dr. Young, and we're here today. Uh, we think we do not have enough of it. Um, one second, I'm going to change the settings on my phone so that it won't ring during the podcast. And there you go. Um, it says uh, they think that we do not have enough of it or that it isn't the right kind. So everybody has a view on sex, the sex act or sex or intimacy, especially um, if you study the New Testament. Um, 
Um, and then there are people who uh, are in Christians and they have all sorts of different views on uh, sex or how it should be done or who should do what or anyway. Um, <clears throat> they see its significance everywhere. One school would allow man no flavor for his fare and the other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. We want to stay out of this controversy. Good idea. Uh, remember, we, we're not the, uh, we don't want to be the arbiters of anyone's sex conduct, and we don't really want to be the arbiters of anyone's conduct. Uh, if they ask us, we might share our experience in the situations that they're in, or if they ask us, we might comment on uh, is their conduct uh, um, in line with God's will? Uh, it says we all have sex problems, and I really like Joe and Charlie talk about the three instincts of life, and they got that from the 12 and 12, and the sex instinct is normal, it's God-given, and it's necessary for um, the uh, human race to continue and God made it uh, pleasurable. And it says we'd hardly be human if we didn't. What can we do about them? And our sex problems, I believe, that they're talking about here is our relationships and how we harm people and how we use people and how we were selfish and how we manipulated people and used sex to feel good about ourselves, to build self-esteem. And it was... Uh, it was not uh, the way God intended it, or at least our instincts to be intended. And it says, what can we do about them? And we're looking at our conduct. And we it says we review our conduct over the years past. So there's several ways to do it, but you could just answer these series of questions. You don't have to put every name of, of anyone you ever had sex with. Um, you don't have to go through every situation because you're going to see that they're all very similar. And if you're uh, in looking at your sex conduct and how you use sex to manipulate and in a selfish manner, it says, where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? So you could look at your conduct in the past and you could say, now, where had I been selfish? And you could look at your relationships. Uh, your intimate relationships and see where had I been selfish? What did I do that was selfish? Uh, how were my actions selfish? And when you do that, you can see how you harm people. And then also, if you can really honestly do that, now a lot of these people are already on your resentment list, so you've already looked at that. But you can see how your behavior uh, led to problems in the relationship. Were you dishonest, especially about your motives? Did you ever lie to people to get what you wanted? Did you ever manipulate or inconsiderate? Were you thoughtful for other people's opinions, other people's needs, considerate of, of them as human beings, or were they just objects? Whom had we heard? And you could go through the list and just answer those three questions. It'll give you a lot of insight into uh, um, 
how you harm people, it said whom you had hurt, and how you made decisions based on self, which put yourself in a position to be harmed. So whom had you hurt? You could go through, because a lot of times you've seen that because a lot of these people are on your resentment list. Uh, we're angry at them because of things, because we were selfish, dishonest, and inconsiderate, and then they reacted to it, and then we're angry at them. Um, and then they ask you some more questions. In, in a situation, in a relationship, did you unjustifiably arouse jealousy? And why would you do that? Well, you were inconsiderate, you were selfish, and you were dishonest. Did you do it to manipulate, to get them to uh, change their behavior? Did you arouse suspicion or bitterness? Did you, did you cause something that made them bitter? Did you lie to them? Did you um, misuse them? Did you not consider it of their feelings? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? And that goes back to the inventory at night where it asks the same question, where was I at fault? What should I have done instead? This is a very important question because when you look back over your behavior, now at this point, you can see where you were at fault because you're with God now and you're looking at your past and then you can see what you should have done instead. And you're gonna need this information because one of the reasons for doing this is you don't wanna hurt any more people in your relationships. And if you couldn't see how you harmed them and how you were, um, your actions and your thinking and your relationships were wrong, you're gonna repeat it. So one of the things I tell people I work with, well, I don't care if you have a relationship or not, that's up to you. I don't have an opinion on that, but I do have an opinion that maybe you wanna do your fourth step and, your, and, your, and complete it and do a whole a thorough sex inventory before you enter into a new relationship. And then if you're in a relationship or going back to a previous relationship, I think you need to look at this before you go back to see if that is the right relationship for you and also to see how you might change your behavior so the relationship could be different. So it says, in this way we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. So they're looking into the future. Or let's say you're married, uh, you wanna look at this, answer all these questions on your, on your present relationship if you wanna stay married because you want to have a sane and sound ideal for your future sex life. And it's all about us and how we need to change our thinking and our behavior, not them. This is our inventory, not their inventory. And if you become more considerate, you'll be less judgmental and they'll look better. If you remember the chapter on the acceptance, he says when he stopped looking at his wife's faults, and looked at her good qualities, she became a better person, and nothing changed except the way he saw them. So we're gonna subject each relation to the test, was it selfish or not? You should do that today, you should do it all the time. Am I being selfish in my relationship today or not? It's not easy, it's, it's not complicated. If my wife asks me something, and I really don't wanna do it, because it's inconvenient, or she wants me to go somewhere, and I really wanna watch a ball game, then am I being selfish or not? And so 
I, I stop, and before I say no, I say, sure, honey, no problem, let's go. So, and here's the prayer. We ask God, I'm going to pray to God to mold my ideals. I want God to mold my ideals. And I've kind of listed what, the, what I'd like them to be, but I want him to mold them and help me to live up to them. And isn't that true of everything? Do I want to be loved, patient, kind, tolerant, considerate, uh, compassionate, and grateful? How do I want to be? How do I want to act towards people? All the time, it says in, uh, on page 83, every day uh, we, uh, for the family, we ask him to show us, it says, uh, we clean house with the family, as, asking each morning in meditation that my creator show me the way the way of patience, tolerance, kindness, and love. The way of it. How can I manifest that? It's the St. Francis prayer. How can I be a channel of God's peace? How, what do I bring into each day in my relationships or to, with, with not only intimate relationships, but relationships with my family members and people you work with and people you see in the whole world? We remember always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly. So we don't want to have any more selfish behavior, but we don't want to be despised or loathed. They're not good or bad, it's how they're used. It's like Shakespeare said, nothing's good or bad, it's only, it's only how I see it. Whatever our ideal turns out to be, and it's your ideal, you must be willing to grow to it. And I would hope that it would be a good ideal and be different than the way things were in the past. So you take the, the questions you first ask, and then you subject your ideal to the second set of questions. We must be willing to grow toward it, must be willing, willing to grow toward God, towards God's vision must be willing to make amends where we have done harm and we've harmed a lot of people in our relationships. We must be willing so we're not afraid of them anymore and also they don't have any power over us anymore if we're willing to make amends. So if you've had dependence issues in relationships, if you can use this and see the truth about it, then you will be, you can see how you owe them amends you can see the truth about the relationship, and you can be free of a relationship that was an unhealthy, dependent one. And we don't want to do more harm, so we have to be careful how we make amends and what we say. In other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. And so they put this in here for a reason, because if you, uh, if you look at your life and if you listen to enough meetings and do enough four steps, you'll see that in our relationships is where we've really harmed ourselves and others and where we carried our biggest fears and most of our resentment, um, a lot of our uh, um, most dangerous resentments. It says in meditation, we should ask God what we should do about each specific matter. Now, isn't this true of everything? Isn't there a meditation on page 86 that uh, we meditate that throughout the day we might not know the right thought or action? We ask God to give us that right thought or action. We relax and take it easy and wait 
for the right answers to come. And so if you have any, any situation in your life, you should pray to God and ask him, what should I do about each specific matter? The right answer will come if we want it. Do I want it? Now, am I praying to God to get what I want? Or am I praying to God to get the right answer? And so there's a difference. If I'm praying to God with the wrong motives, then I'm just going to get uh, the answer that I want, which could be the wrong answer. And like when people say they're going to do the next right thing, I always love that. I never knew what the next right thing was. And so I have to ask God what I should do about each matter. The right answer will come if we want it. I love this line. It's very powerful. And it's something you should think about and maybe use in your daily meditation. God alone can judge our sex situation. Although we do, we do, or we are very judgmental people and we judge everybody. Uh, I still love Sandy Beach when he said he tried not to judge anymore. He was going to do a whole week where he wasn't going to judge and he realized that he was judging more than he ever was. It's something we, we do on, uh, almost to build our self-esteem. It's been part of our personality, but we have to stop all the time. So I have to stop all the time when I'm judging and say, gee, they are who they are. That's the way they are. Stop it, Michael. You're getting off the beam. And we don't want to judge anybody's sex situation. I try not to give advice on relationships with people are sponsored, but when they've been in a horrible relationship and it's been uh, destroying their lives, it's hard not to say, well, you might not want to go back to that right now. You might want to wait and pray about it and think about it, but I can't tell you how many people I've seen go off the uh, path when they go back to bad relationships and they haven't done this uh, the, the, this uh, inventory. And so uh, I love that. Ask God to mold my ideals and help me live up to them. It says uh, counsel with uh, persons is often desirable, but we let God be the final judge. God is the final judge of everything, and he judges us, and if we feel like we've done wrong, we ask God's forgiveness and if our, it's going to tell us that if we do it with the proper attitude, we will be forgiven. We realize that some people are as fanatical about sex as others are loose. We avoid hysterical thinking or advice. We want to avoid hysterical thinking or advice in all areas of our life. It says, so f suppose we fall short of the chosen idea and stumble. Does this mean that we are going to get drunk? Some people tell us so, but this is only a half-truth. Here's the, here's the key. It depends on us and on our motives. What, what were your motives? And, and when your motives are bad and you uh, harm people, you have shame and guilt. That shame and guilt is, uh, drives a lot of alcoholics to drink. But here's a great line, if I'm sorry for what I've done, truly sorry and repentant, then I have the honest desire to let God take us to better things. We believe this, we will be forgiven, we'll have learned our lesson. Now this really comes out of scripture in uh, 1 John verses, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. 
sorry for what you've done. You're repentant. You could see the truth about your sins and have an honest desire to let God take you to better things, turning yourself away from yourself to God. We believe we'll be forgiven. It's a promise in Scripture, and we'll have learned our lesson. Now, we have to learn our lesson so we don't repeat it. If we're not sorry, so we can see the truth of it. If we're not sorry <coughs> and our conduct continues to harm others, we are quite sure to drink. I think that's a true statement. If you're living separated from God, you continue to harm others, you're living a life of self-centeredness, uh, you're managing the life, you're getting irritable, restless, and discontent, most alcoholics will not stay sober. Now, there's some people who stay sober, but they're just miserable. We are not theorizing. These are facts out of our experience. So they're telling you what their experiences was. And I wrote, you change your conduct by changing your motives. And we talk about that all the time. What are my motives? How do I want to be? And don't we pray for that in the morning? It says on page 86, Upon awakening, I make plans for the day, but before I begin, I ask for God to direct my thinking, divorcing it from selfish, dishonest, self-seeking motives. So to sum up about sex, we earnestly pray for the right ideal for guidance in each questionable situation. So that's uh, something I should pray for every morning, is the right ideal. And my ideal is to be loved, patient, kind, tolerant, considerate, compassionate to be of service to God and others, to love my neighbors, myself. And I want guidance in every questionable situation. And what I want in each questionable situation is sanity, be able to see the truth and for the strength to do the right thing. This is wonderful uh, uh, prayer, part of your meditation. Pray for the right ideal each day in every situation guidance in each questionable situation for sanity and for the strength to do the right thing. It says that sex is very troublesome. If we keep uh, causing a lot of problems, we throw ourselves the harder into helping others. Turning away from yourself, turning toward God and others instead of into selfish, dishonest, self-seeking behavior. We think of their needs and work for them. We turn ourselves away from us turn to others. This always works. And this takes us out of ourselves. And also, this is how you build self-esteem. It quiets the imperious urge, arising, assuming power without justification. When we yield would mean heartache. So do we, it's, it could be the imperious urge to drink, the imperious urge to use someone or to manipulate someone or to be dishonest. And so uh, powerful stuff on the sex inventory. Hardly ever read at any meeting. Uh, we had a great discussion last Sunday night when we opened up and people were really honest. And I tell you, if you're really honest about looking back at your life and your relationships and the things and how you harm people, it really makes you want to be, makes you humble it makes you want to seek God. It makes you want to be a different person. That's one of the things about we will not regret the past or shut the door on it. People wonder, well, what's that all about? Uh, I think uh, the past is the key to me changing my future. 
it's now here's the four-step uh, results or promises it's the final uh, two paragraphs and it's got a lot of good stuff in it it says if I've been thorough about my personal inventory my inventory my personality my individual behavior my emotions and notice it says my personal inventory not theirs we want to stop taking other people's inventory because when we're doing that we're playing God and we're on the wrong side of the of the spiritual checklist it says if you've done this you've written down a lot it doesn't take a long time it doesn't have to be a hundred pages but you've written down the things in your head that were blocking you from God and the first thing we do is we list and analyze my resentments so it listed and anybody that I had anger with or resented in my whole life and I heard somebody say, if you don't think you have any resentments, just start listing all the assholes you've met. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Analyze, seen the truth of my resentments. Seen the truth of my resentment. Well, one of the truths is that when I have resentment, I'm separated from God. It's killing me. It's a symptom of my spiritual disease. But what's the other truth of my resentment? Is that I... I made decisions based on self that caused me to harm and harm others. I was the one who was seeing things wrong. My resentments were wrong. They were wrong judgment. And it was always wrong to get angry. I didn't have to get angry. I was getting angry at people who were perhaps spiritually ill. So I've listed and analyzed them, seen the truth about them. The four columns, what was I angry at? Why was I angry, the cause? Oftentimes why I was angry wasn't even true. And then the third column is what was threatened. And I realized that I was only get angry if I was threatened. In some way, my self-esteem, my pride, my sex instinct, we just talked about sex inventory, uh, in my emotional inventory, excuse me, my emotional instincts, or my material instincts, my emotional, what I needed from people, from situations, the social companionship, prestige, pride, uh, my ambitions, the material, what I needed for security. And we have begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality. So hopefully, when you come in, you have a list of all those people you want to execute, and then you put them on your resentment list and then you see how it was so futile and fatal. It's futile because it's, it's pointless. And, and it's always wrong to be angry or carry a resentment. And they're fatal because they separate me from God and they kill me. I'm spiritually dead. It says, remember when we harbor resentments, we put them in a safe place in our mind. We block ourselves from the sunlight of the spirit. And it says we have commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. We're taking poison, hoping they'll die. They destroyed my life. Think of how much time in your life you spent being angry, judging, upset. And then the real big ones, you carried around them for years. And what did they destroy? They destroyed your ability to have a relationships with other people that were good to have God direct your thinking. It destroyed your ability to see uh, the truth about things. 
powerful uh, information on your resentment list. We have begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill towards all men, even our enemies. And that may be the greatest gift because no one has to be an enemy anymore. You only see him as an enemy. You can be tolerant, patient, goodwill towards all men. Number 11, tolerance is your code. And so everybody on your list, anytime you get upset, you use the uh, freedom from anger instructions on page 66 and 67. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard people talk about their resentments and they say, well, I pray for the person. Well, that may be good, but the freedom, it says, if you want to be freedom from anger, this was our, and that, that's your choice. This is what we did. It said we looked at the list, and we looked back at the list, and we looked at it from a different angle. So instead of praying for someone that you're angry at, look at them from a different angle, that perhaps they're spiritually ill, just like me. And then you ask God, to change the way I see him. So give me love, patience, and tolerance towards this person as I would for a sick friend. I need to change my attitude towards them. Praying for them may be good, but if I'm praying for them and my attitude towards them is pretty pretty crappy, I don't, I don't know. I need to change my attitude towards them to be free of the resentment and free of the anger. So I need to have love, patience, and tolerance as the first instruction. Two, how can I be helpful to them? changing from uh, being angry at them, then how can I be helpful to them? What can I do? And the third is prayers, God saved me from being angry at them. I don't want to be angry at them anymore. Why? Because the anger is killing me. Save me from my anger. Now, I, I may want to pray for them and ask for good things for them, but I need to be saved by God from my anger. And I don't think you can truly pray well for someone if you're still angry and hateful towards them. I don't see how. But other people do, and I'm not arguing whether that's good or bad. I follow the instructions in the big book. God, save me from being angry. Give me a kind and tolerant view of them. I want to change the way I see people that I have negative feelings towards and put them in a position of neutrality and so that they're not, they don't have power over me anymore. I don't want people who are perhaps spiritually ill running my life in my mind. And what this is about is freeing your mind from the power of your, your wrong judgment. And you don't want to have these people having power over you anymore. We have listed the people we have hurt by our, it says even our enemies, for we look on them as sick people. Remember, all human beings are spiritually ill by nature unless we're connected to God. So we all have our personalities and, we, and, and remember you made a lot of people's resentment lists. We've listed the people we have hurt by our conduct. That's really important. It follows through from the sex inventory and are willing to straighten out the past if we can. This is so powerful because the willingness to make out amends is how you lose fear of people. And you, you've, you list the people you've hurt by your conduct. And you become willing to make amends to all of them. And if you're not willing to make amends to them, then you haven't learned to have love, patient, tolerance, and goodwill towards them. 
and you haven't said the prayers. And if the prayers haven't worked, say them again till you can see them as who they are and not as somebody good or bad, but that's who they are. You're not excusing their behavior, but you're forgiving them. It's powerful. It sets you free. And uh, the willingness to make amends uh, frees freedoms from the fear of seeing them. That's how fear of people leaves you. You're not afraid to see anybody anymore. If you go to the grocery store, now people aren't going to the grocery store anymore because of the virus. But you, you don't want to be afraid of anyone because then they have power over you. In this book, you read again and again that faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Faith, faith, and faith in AA is trust in God. And you can see the God can do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Now, if you notice, this is in the end of the fourth step before theoretically you've discussed it with another person. But just doing the work sets you free. But I really believe the way I do it is, uh, is as people do their fourth step, they do the first three columns, and then we go over that, we say the prayers. Then if they've done that, they do the fourth column. Then we look at the mistakes and who we harmed. Then for fears, we do the fears related to the resentments. And then we do the fears related to uh, when I'm playing God and managing my life. And then we just went through the sex conduct. But you can see a change in your attitude towards all these people who you had a negative attitude to. And you can see the truth. And that's from God. Faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Dependence on God, asking God, praying to God, trusting God. Now, belief in, in, in AA is the beginning of the process to faith. And, and they talk about, uh, some people talk about scripture, about saving faith versus faith. And all they mean by saving faith is that you don't just believe a set of facts, but you actually trust in, 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 in for example, Christ for salvation. Trust in something, trust in God. And, and it says, we hope you're convinced now that God can remove, can cast out whatever self-will has blocked you off from him. So have you said the prayer for resentments? Have you said the prayer for fears? By looking at your saying, sex ideal and looking at the questions, you can be free of the bondage to these relationships, the negative aspects, and see the truth about them so that you can um, see who you harmed and be willing to make amends to them. You can also see how self-will has blocked you from God and caused you to have uh, all the shame and guilt and the harmful things you did. And so you can forgive yourself because all you did was have the wrong manager. You have to fire yourself. You chose yourself versus God. It says if you've already made a decision, that's a decision in step uh, three, that you're not going to play God and you're going to let God be your director. You have a new employer. You work for him. And an inventory of your grosser, grosser handicaps. And we look at their, uh, we look at resentment, fear, and sex conduct. 
and we look at the grosser handicaps, the obstacles, you've made a good beginning, and the grosser handicaps are the character defects that caused you to have the resentments and the fears and the harmful conduct. And remember, or and actually fear triggers all your character defects. And so you could see my grosser handicaps were uh, my constant uh, fear was a fabric uh, woven through the rusty fabric, woven through the existence of my life of fear dominated me. And fear led me to, to be judgmental and to be angry and to uh, have my pride and my self-esteem threatened all the time. And then in relationships, I would be selfish, self-centered, and use the relationships to fulfill my uh, uh, feelings of self-worth or make me look better or dependence on people rather than on God. And so there's so many, so many uh, things that you get out of this. And you can see how all my fears were for approval, wanting to be loved, uh, wanting to be good enough, the feeling that I wasn't good enough, I wasn't the way I looked, uh, dominated my life. That being so, you have swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth about yourself. And so that's why it's such a powerful step. You swallowed the truth and digested some big chunks. And then remember, the truth will set you free. If you don't see the truth, see resentments and are always wrong judgment. And you're living on wrong judgment. And you don't want to live on wrong belief, which is fear. And you don't want to have wrong actions, which lead to shame and guilt. So I hope this was helpful. Um, I can't say enough. This four step does not have to be done perfectly. But I think it, it would be helpful if you do it following the simple instructions in the book with someone who's done it before. And then, of course, you're going to continue to do it the rest of your life, uh, every day in step 10 during the day and every night in your nightly review. I hope everybody stays safe and has, and has had a happy Easter. Uh, thank you for your time.